Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we jump in the Locked On Bucks time machine and react to NFL.com's Adam Rank's State of the Franchise of the Buccaneers. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you today by rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rock auto i'm james yarko joined as always by david harrison you can find everything that we're doing over at bucksnation.com and make sure you follow along on twitter at locked on bucks at jayarko underscore bucks at d harrison 82 and at bucks underscore nation that's right. We have a new Twitter handle alert. Meow, 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 meow. David Harrison can be found at D Harrison eighty two. You threw off my my groove with the uh, with all the bucks that we used to have in there, David. Uh, yeah, I apologize for complicating things. It's all right, I'll forgive you just this once. I all right, it. we we are hopping in our DeLorean and we are rewinding the clock, ladies and gentlemen in our Locked on Bucks time machine to the wonderful year of 1990. Let's set the stage, David, where gas was $1.25 a gallon, Girl Scout cookies were $2 a box, and to get a single-day pass to Disney World, an adult only needed $31. A four-day pass was only 100 Simpler times, happier times. You know who ruled the box office? Arnold Schwarzenegger, two top 10 movies in 1990, running down the list from 10 to 1, Kindergarten Cop, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Presumed Innocent, Die Hard 2, Back to the Future Part 3, Total Recall, Dances with Wolves, Pretty Woman, Home Alone, and Ghost. That's what things were like back in 1990. You know what else they were like, David? They were bad for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, David, I'll kick it over to you because, as all seasons do, it starts with the draft. Yeah, and, and that year in the 1990 draft, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected defensive end Keith McCants out of Alabama in the first round with a fourth overall pick. And then some other names that Buccaneers fans will probably be familiar with. Uh, running back Reggie Cobb was selected that year in the second round. Tony Mayberry came to, came to the Buccaneers in the fourth along with Jesse Anderson, tight end. Ian Beckles, who I know is still on on a lot of Bucks fans' radars even today, even if they're not, you know, uh, older fans or what have you. I uh, was selected there in the fifth round. Derek Douglas, another running back, went to the Bucks in the sixth. In the seventh, they took Donnie Gardner, uh, another defensive end. And then in the ninth round, they took Terry Cook, Mike Bush, another tight end in the tenth, and then Terry Anthony uh, in the eleventh, followed by Todd Hamill in the twelfth uh, round quarterback out of Stephen F. Austin. Uh, so back in the day when there were more than seven rounds in the NFL draft, for those of you who never knew that happened, that used to be a thing. James, I'm curious uh, because we have the benefit of having two hosts. So in the year 1990, I turned eight years old uh, that year in the fall. And if memory serves correct, that is the year that we moved to El Paso, Texas, for my father to attend the Army's Sergeant Major Academy. What were you up to? I was five, and I remember nothing. (laughs) 
fantastic. I well, I take that back. I do remember one thing, and the only reason that this this strikes a chord with me is because I read off the name of the movie when I listed the top ten movies. My dad, um, for my entire life, he always worked in cable and radio. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was the the profession that he was in. He was in marketing and everything, and he got through his work with the Viacom cable network, which is where he was back in 1990, we got sneak preview passes to go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a week before it was released in theaters. So I do remember him taking me to go see that at a local movie theater at like, it was like eight or nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And he was, you know, griping and complaining about having to get up on his day off to take me to go see this stupid movie of a bunch of Ninja Turtles. And I got a free t-shirt and I was stoked and I loved everything about it. But yeah, I do remember that. That's about the extent of my 1990 memories. That's still, to to this day, that movie is still one of my favorites. Um, It's phenomenal. Back to the Buccaneers. Um, Look, the 1990 Buccaneers started off like a house on fire. They, uh, they won in their first game at Detroit, uh, ended up losing to the Rams in week two. Then they rattle off three wins in their next four weeks to start off four and two. Then the wheels fell off. The Buccaneers would lose their next six games, leading to the firing of, uh, of one Ray Perkins, where uh, you know they would they would go on to beat Atlanta and Minnesota, and then lose their last two games against the Bears and the Jets to finish at six and ten. So, you know things started off strong for uh, for the Bucks, and you know they hit that lull. In our next segment, we are going to dive into Adam Rank's state of the franchise as he talks about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But first. Uh, we have to talk about our friends over at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And in their How Did You Hear About Us segment, 
just write in locked on so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Back here now on the Locked On Bucks podcast, talking about Adam Rank, NFL.com writer and NFL Network personality. In a recent column that he published titled State of the Franchise, Tom Brady's Bucks have sights set on Lombardi. And what Adam Rank does on this as he breaks down what has been going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this offseason, dives a little bit into the roster, into what the team looks like as we get ready for the new season, and then kind of gives a little bit of a prediction on some key things. Uh, beginning off in the, in the column there, he kind of talks about last year and goes over you know, Jameis Winston's 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, and then, of course, the 30 interceptions. We don't need to rehash all that stuff. So we'll move right, right on down to his 2020 VIPs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And predictably so, he lists Bruce Arians and, as he writes it, Tom freaking Brady as the most valuable – because we can't call them players, we'll call them personnel on this Buccaneers roster. And, James, where I want to really pick up uh, – oh, he also lists Tom Brady as the projected 2020 MVP – uh, for the team. So that's, you know, another thing to be kind of, you know, easily predicted. But what I want to talk about really is his 2020 breakout star. As we know, there are a lot of young players on this team. I think Chris Godwin, probably not on that list because he was kind of a breakout star last year, getting a second team all pro nod. And then of course getting the pro bowl berth. Uh, but there are some other young players on this team that could have been considered. And at the end of the day, rank chose cornerback Jamel Dean writing quote, he made his true debut later in the season against the Seattle Seahawks when he started for the injured Carlson Davis III. It didn't go well. He gave up three touchdown passes, and yeah, that was the good part. But he did play well down the stretch. As the Bucks defense really started to excel in the secondary, he could take another big step this season, end quote. So, James, what are your thoughts on Adam Rank calling Jamel Dean the 2020 breakout star for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? You know, I, I like it. Uh, you, you take a look at the way he performed down the stretch last year. And we even kind of talk about it in, you know, for Bucks Nation, we did a roundtable as far as who needs to take the biggest step forward in, uh, in 2020. And three of us named a corner. One, one person named uh, Jamel Dean, myself and another. We listed Carlton Davis. So it's, it's nice to see them focusing on kind of the same position group. We just have different views as far as which guy – it's going to be. But yeah, Jamel Dean can absolutely be a breakout star. We saw how phenomenal he was down the stretch in 2019. Yeah, after kind of getting rocked a little bit in Seattle, but he closed in. He was one of the most effective corners in the NFL through the second half of the year. He was constantly in, in pro football focuses, top five as far as uh, you know, weekly grades, and you know, he was in the top five you know, week in and week out in, in passes defensed and and opposing quarterback, uh, you know, their QBR as far as, you know, quarterbacks did not have a good QBR against Jamel Dean. So, yeah, I, I like the choice of Jamel Dean. I, I would love to see him step up because ultimately you have to take a look at it that it's got to be Dean, Davis, or Murphy Bunting. One of these three guys has to emerge as – the guy, you know, because if they're all kind of stagnant, they're all, you know, none of them has emerged as that number one that's going to be tasked with shutting down Julio, shutting down Michael Thomas and, and things of that nature. Someone has to emerge. And honestly, I personally believe it's a two person race between Dean 
and Davis, but I won't rule out Murphy Bunting because he had just as many good games down the stretch as Jamel Dean did. Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, I, I use OurLads.com a lot for you know projected depth charts and stuff like that. They actually have Sean Murphy Bunting projected as the second starting cornerback opposite of Carlton Davis, and I found that interesting. So then I went back to the latest, you know, uh, at, to finish the 2019 season, the the last depth chart that the Buccaneers published, and same thing. Sean Murphy Bunting was listed as that second outside corner, but I think a lot of people look at Jamel Dean and think that he's the guy that's probably going to play the most opposite of Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting is mostly going to appear in the slot. But I almost wonder if this is a type of, you know, uh, trio of cornerbacks that the Buccaneers might do a sort of a, a situation where, you know, they, they might have a guy like Sean Murphy bunting outside. He's got a little bit more length. And then when they, when the offense come, when the opposing offense comes out with three wide receivers or whatever, and they need a slot guy in there, maybe Sean moves inside that slot and, and Jamel takes that outside position, or maybe they switch that vice versa. I mean, they're all versatile. They're all physical. They're all capable of doing it. And I think that's the key is that the Buccaneers' defense is built with versatility. And you look at the addition of Antoine Winfield Jr., that only adds to that. And when I look at how the Buccaneers address this offseason, you know, we kind of, going into the draft, going into free agency, we've all kind of been speculating about, are they going to add a veteran defensive back to that group? Are they going to draft a, a young defensive back to that group early? And we, get, and we got our answer there on day two of the NFL draft, and there's no veteran presence coming into this room at least as of right now, and there's no big-name veteran presence coming to this room. We already know that. And so what it really kind of does is puts a little bit of pressure. I mean, it, it, it shows confidence in those, in those young defensive backs that they have on the roster and then Antoine Winfield joining them. But it also puts pressure on them because at a minimum, this unit has got to perform for 16 games the way they did for the last eight games last year. And in some sense, you might think, well, that's easy. They already did it for eight years. So they should be able to do that. But these are young guys. They've been off. They're not going to get as much training time. They're, got, they're not going to get as much classroom time. Yes, they know the system coming in, but players, we, we see it all the time. Players have sophomore slumps. They hit that second-year wall, and things can go really bad. If this young group doesn't perform at least as good as they did in the back half of last season for the entirety of this season, people are going to start questioning why the Buccaneers didn't go out and get another defensive back uh, and just add in Antoine Winfield in the second round. If they improve – then it's going to be a stroke of genius by Jason Light and Bruce Arians. Todd Bowles is probably getting a head coaching job in 2021. Unfortunately, if they regress, guys, uh, James, I think that's where we're going to see these Buccaneer fans really kind of get into their feelings a little bit and say, hey, look, I told you you should have gone after Logan Ryan, or I told you you should have gone over here, or I told you you should have drafted this guy in the first round. And I hope I don't want to see it happen, obviously. I have a lot of confidence in these guys. But as much support and as much confidence as this team showed in that young defensive back room, they also put some pressure on them. So it's going to be interesting to see how not only how Dean does, but how the entire group does. Yeah, we uh, we shift over to take a look at Adam Rank's 2020 roadmap, and he says the competitive urgency index is off the charts. You don't pull moves like this to win the NFC South. You do it to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Bruce Arians didn't come back to coaching because he likes the pressed Cuban sandwiches in Ybor City. The idea is to win immediately. Rank would, uh, would list three key dates, and there, there are three games, David, that you and I have talked about numerous times, so we're not going to dive into those right now. But he lists off week one at New Orleans, week seven at Las Vegas, and week 12 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Could potentially be a Super Bowl preview there. Hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed. But uh, he, he gets into a little bit of, will the Bucks be able to do this? And, and the first one that, that I kind of want to dive into with you here, David, is will the Bucs be able to fit the offense to Brady's current skill set? Rank says, quote, 
We all know Arians loves to throw the ball downfield. No risk it, no biscuit, as the saying goes. But this isn't 2007 Tom Brady. The current incarnation has relied on a strong running game while throwing shorter passes. Per next-gen stats, Brady averaged 7.6 air yards per attempt last year, still better than quarterbacks like Drew Brees and Jimmy Garoppolo, but still well behind Jameis Winston, who was second in the NFL among those with a minimum of 200 pass attempts with 10.7 air yards per attempt. The thing is, Arians is no dummy. He's going. He's not going to force Brady to do something he's not comfortable doing. I anticipate the coach and quarterback working well together. Arians has worked well with other strong personalities like Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, and Carson Palmer in recent years. So, David, I'll kick it over to you first. What is your reaction to you know the Bucks being able to fit the offense to Brady's current skill set? Because this is something that we've talked about before. But you know, it's this is one of Adam Rank's big questions when when mapping out the Buccaneers' potential success in 2020. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really concerned about it. I don't think that this is going to be a Bruce Arians offense in the sense that everybody thinks it is. And I don't think it's going to be a Tom Brady offense in the sense that some people think it is. And that you know, there were outlets during the offseason reporting that Tom Brady wanted to say and how the scheme was going to be built and game planning, play calling, all that stuff. Here's the thing with, with Bruce Arians, though. As a quarterback under Bruce Arians, especially the starting quarterback, you don't have to ask for input because Bruce Arians has put it on record. He put it in his book. He said it in interviews. He lets the quarterback have ownership of this offense. Now, there are certain things that he as the head coach is going to demand, and those things are routes that stretch the field, challenging the top end of the defense, stuff like that. But Bruce Arians has also said several times, uh, as, as the Buccaneers head coach, and if you go back to his time with Arizona – He's even said it there before when people started questioning some of the decisions that quarterbacks were making and some of the downfield pushes that people were making into double, triple coverage, you know, heavy, deep coverage type of schemes. And, and what he said is there is a check and there is a short route on every single play that they call. Now, whether or not the quarterback takes it, whether or not the quarterback calls it, those are the differences. And that comes down to decision making and that comes down to ownership by the quarterback. Uh, we saw it several times during, you know, the, the 2019 NFL season where there were situations where uh, Jameis Winston would have a, a wide receiver or running back throw, running a short route that would have been available. However, due to the way that Jameis Winston read the defense, he didn't take advantage of that. Instead, he would try to push the ball downfield, hitting out route, sometimes hitting it late, you know, what have you, throwing it into the middle with a congested, in a congested area, trying to get the ball to a certain person that he wanted to get it to instead of taking what the defense would give him. I think what we've seen during Tom Brady's career, whether his arm was at maximum strength or whether his arm was at low strength or whether he was a second-year quarterback coming in to replace a veteran and, and needed to rely on his defense is that Tom Brady is going to do what the defense allows him to do. He's confident in his ability, but at the same time, if you're going to double and triple coverage Randy Moss all the way down the field on every single snap, he's going to eat you alive with guys like Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, uh, Rob Gronkowski, James White, whoever he's got available at his disposal. You're going to do that. He's going to take what you're going to give him. At the same time, if you're going to single cover Randy Moss all the way down the field, whether he's going to eat you alive and he's going to do that and hit you with big, nasty bombs. And I think that's what he's going to do with Tampa Bay. If you single Mike Evans on the outside so you can put two linebackers on Rob Gronkowski, watch the running back coming out of the out of the backfield, and then keep Chris Godwin in check, well, then he's going to throw them high. He's going to throw them on the outside shoulder, on the inside shoulder, wherever Mike Evans wants the ball. And Mike is going to big body your defensive back all the way down the field. But if you double Mike Evans, and you leave the if you leave the middle open, then he's going to hit Ronald Jones for the dump off and let Rojo use that athleticism and those wheels and turn those catches into big gains. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it at all because, like Bruce Arians said recently on that Joe Madden, uh, Joe Madden YouTube video, James, that we shared on this show, 
this is going to be Tom Brady's offense. This is not Bruce Arians' team. It's Tom Brady's team. That's what he says. He's going to instill the message, but Tom Brady's going to instill the message or it's going to pass on that message and execute what they're trying to do on the field. It's not going to be a problem. Yeah, one of the things that Rank points out on here is the air yards per attempt. And that's a number that stuck out to me because you're talking about 3.1 air yards per attempt less than Jameis Winston. But what that doesn't tell us is the situations. There were a lot of times that Jameis Winston was having to push the ball down the field very quickly late in games because the defense gave up a lead early in the season. Late in the season, there were a lot of times Jameis Winston was having to push the ball down the field very quickly because he kept turning it over and putting the Buccaneers in a bad situation by giving the opposing team the football. With Tom Brady, he's not having to push the ball down the field in that fashion, not to mention he really didn't have the weapons to do so, but that's neither here nor there. The simple fact is this team, whether it was the defense early on or Jameis Winston's decision-making later in the year, kept finding themselves in losing situations and having to come from behind and having to put up points very quickly in order to get themselves back into games. So I do think that the air yards per attempt is a little bit misleading. No, I don't think Brady can chuck the ball down the field the way Jameis Winston can, but what I do believe he will do is he will be accurate and he will make the smart decision. He will find those check downs when his first read isn't there, and that's not saying that he can't push the ball down the field. That's not saying he can't throw the ball 40 yards in the air accurately. It's just not something that he did or needed to do as often in 2019 as he has in years past when he had guys like Randy Moss. So, Right, and James, real quick before we move on, um, something else that Rank wrote in his column was a fantasy note, right? And and I I remember hating New England Patriot fantasy players because you can never know exactly who's going to blow up and when, especially running backs, right? But something that Rank noted or pointed out was, and I'm just actually just going to read it. So, quote, here's what Rank wrote. Quote, Brady's affinity for shorter passes should make Chris Godwin your first receiver off the board. Godwin had a career-high 86 receptions last year. I would consider him a lock for 100 if he plays all 16 games this year. You can thank me later, end quote. So that just kind of speaks to Tom Brady's ability and his desire to base. Again, it's I'm going to take what, what you're going to give me. If you're going to give me Chris Godwin wide open on a drag or a cross or an early in, I'm going to take it all day, and then Chris is going to hit you with a stiff arm or make one guy miss. You know, Maybe he only does it three times in a game, but you only need those three times. Those three times are going to net you about 40 yards combined. And what they're going to do is bring the defense up, which is going to allow you to take advantage of Mike Evans over the top, Scotty Miller over the top, Tyler Johnson, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, again, Brady's play style mixed with Bruce Arians' opportunities to go deep, but availability to go short is something that should work very beautifully. Yeah, it doesn't matter if a drive is two plays 80 yards for a touchdown or 20 plays 80 yards and a touchdown with Tom Brady. If you're just going to give him little four yard dump offs, he'll just keep moving the sticks and it'll be death by a thousand paper cuts. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're looking at, but yeah. um, Also, if you're in a fantasy football league with me, don't draft Chris Godwin, please. Wrapping up things here, talking about Adam ranks state of the franchise for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from NFL.com. And David, one of the other questions that Adam Rank had as far as will the Bucks be able to, and we're going to combine two of them because they're kind of 
one and the same. They're going to work with one another. So this is what we're going to talk about. Will the Bucs be able to fix the offensive line and run the ball? So Adam Rank had this to say, quote, if there was one spot where a Browns comparison might be apt, it is on the offensive line. One of the biggest problems the Browns had was on the offensive line, so it might be crucial to address these needs. Drafting Tristan Wirfs will certainly help offset the loss of DeMar Dotson. The line will also be crucial because you need to run the football, and both the Bucs and Tom Brady will want to use play action as much as possible. That doesn't work if you can't run the ball or at least make teams feel like you can run the ball. That's where Wirfs is going to be huge. He continues on discussing running the ball, quote, we all thought the Bucs were going to take a lot of different running back prospects early in the draft. Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. Instead, Tampa waited until round three and went with Keyshawn Vaughn. He could end up moving past Ronald Jones II, the Bucks' lead back last year, when they finished 24th in rushing. But also keep an eye out for Dare Agunbawale. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record right now. Nothing personal against the guy. Dare Agumbawale is not going to be the number one running back on this team. It's going to be Ronald Jones. And I do believe they are going to be able to run the ball. I do believe that Tristan Wirfs, the addition of him, you know, just in and of itself, immediately improved this offensive line, especially in run blocking. You had an old, aging DeMar Dotson with two bad knees who even said he didn't like to run block. And I, you know, was under the impression that was every offensive lineman's favorite thing in the whole world. And you're replacing him with one of the most freakish athletes I have ever seen. And that's even that's an understatement. You know, it's it's all about these five guys working in unison, working together. And the addition of worse helps that tremendously. With, with the offensive line, right? So it's like it's a Voltron theory, right? So you put all five of them together and and see what you can get. Uh, Ali Marpet was moved to the left side, I believe, to help Donovan Smith. You're never going to convince me otherwise. Donovan Smith coming off of arguably his best year as a pro still doesn't mean he's an elite left tackle, but what it shows is that there was still room for, for improvement and possibility that he could actually improve and grow, and I think he did. Now, if he can come back this season and either maintain that current level of play or even improve a little bit more, that's going to take pressure off Ali Marpet. The, more, the, the less that Ali has to pick up for the guy next to him, more you focus on what he's going to do, the less that Ryan Jensen has to pick up for him, so on and so forth. Alex Kappa, the right guard position, was very solid last year. If he can take a, take a step forward, now get even better. And if Tristan Wirfs can come in there and plug in as a right tackle and not be a liability as a rookie, then it's only going to help matters. Ronald Jones still gained over 1,000 yards from the line of scrimmage last year. If he comes in a more complete running back, I still think we're going to get doses of Keyshawn Vaughn. I like Dario Gumbwale. I don't know that he's going to come in and overtake the number one position but I do think he gets involved a little bit. I think at the end of the day, TJ Logan's probably the guy left out in the cold, and Raymond Clay is a special teamer. If Ronald Jones got 1,000 yards from scrimmage last year with that offense and with, that, with those turnover problems and with the execution problems, and, and again, the, the average you know, yards per, per attempt, the air yards per attempt uh, speak for itself. When you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, look at what James White has been able to do. The screen game is an extension of the run game. I, a lot of people will say that. I kind of believe it. I don't care if Ronald Jones rushes for 1,000 yards or catches the ball and goes 1,000 yards. I think Ronald Jones can be a 1,500-yard back with Tom Brady as quarterback in this scheme, and I think this could be the year that we see him do it. All right, James, wrapping up this conversation uh, with the Adam Rank column, we're going to talk about 
his prediction for what 2020 has to ha- has to see happen in order for the Buccaneers to be successful. And what Adam Rank wrote is, quote, for 2020 to be a successful season, the Bucs must win the Super Bowl. James, do you agree with him? I do not. I do not. I think the Bucs have given themselves a two-year window. That's what they've done. To me, for this season to be a success, you need a playoff win. You can get to the NFC Championship and lose, and this season could still be a success. This is a team that has not made the playoffs since Jeff Garcia was their quarterback. They have not won a playoff game since they hoisted the Lombardi in San Diego in Super Bowl 37. It is not Super Bowl or bust for this team. I think that's that's almost unfair. Uh, yeah, I'm going to disagree too, and I, you know, I don't even think the Buccaneers need to win a Super Bowl uh, at all with Tom Brady. I mean, it would be nice to see them go. It would be nice to see them compete. But I've said on this show, and I, I stand firm on it, that to compete for a Super Bowl, you have to make it to the playoffs. I don't care if you get eliminated in the wild card round. If you made it to the wild card round, you were competing for a Super Bowl because everybody who wasn't competing for a Super Bowl, Super Bowl was either sitting at home or sitting on a boat in Cabo San Lucas or off the shore of Cabo San Lucas while you were playing football. Uh, that's competing for a Super Bowl. So would I like to see the Buccaneers make an NFC Championship run? Of course I would. Would I like to see them make to the Super Bowl? Yeah, of course. Who wouldn't want to cover a Super Bowl-winning team? But at the end of the day, NFL success is not is not measured by simply winning championships. It's by being a competitor year in and year out. If the Buccaneers become a competitor, that's what they brought Tom Brady in for. That's what they brought Rob Gronkowski in for. All right. Well, David, that is going to do it for this episode. So please – Check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks.